Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. All right, guys, welcome back to episode two this week of the Weekside Podcast, our regular uh, Thursday show. Jenny and I are recording this uh, about two o'clock in the afternoon on Wednesday ahead of the uh, owners meeting. So a lot to get to there. But we're going to start with sort of a broader view of where we see the sports landscape in general. We're coming right off the news that the National Women's Soccer League is going to resume play at some point in the near future here in a tournament style. And the NHL just announced their uh, playoffs that their regular season is ending and that they're going to start a playoff type thing with 24 of the top teams in the league in various hub cities around uh, the country. Uh, Interesting, right? I mean, I think that's all we can say about it now. It still seems speculative, even as the country seems to be easing up in some places. There are certain cities where the virus might just start creeping in and we see certain states where cases are on the rise whereas Jenny and I are in the northeast and it seems like knock on wood we're through the the worst of it um but I don't know it's I think it's going to be difficult maybe to plan this full-scale reopening of the country nevertheless popular sports but um I think the NFL in particular will be watching both the NHL and the NWSL very very closely Yeah, to this point, the test cases for sports reopening have come from other leagues in other countries, and we've all kind of been watching how those have gone. And now the first league to come back is scheduled to be the NWSL, and I think there was a lot of interest of what kind of guidelines they would have. I I saw a screenshot, uh, Meg Linehan of The Athletic posted some of the NWSL guidelines for asymptomatic or symptomatic COVID-19 positive players and, you know, how they would quarantine them, contract tracing, uh, return to exercise, return to play. So I think some of these things are certainly going to serve as a test case for other leagues. Um, The NWSL is an interesting case study right now. I mean, Steph Epstein wrote about it for SI a couple weeks ago, but they were hoping for capitalize on this uh, World Cup uh, Olympic year window uh, interest is high in women's soccer this part of the you know the four-year cycle and it was going to be a big year they were all excited they had lined up these big TV deals and 
we're really hoping to continue building the league this year. And so I think there was a lot of interest and motivation to get players back on the field, but the way it's set up, players can opt out, whether they're NWSL players or players in the women's national team. And it's possible that many players on the women's national team would choose to opt out. Their, their salaries are paid by the federation. So they could opt out, say, I don't want to have the injury risk or I don't want to have the risk of my health and I, you know I'm going to sit this one out and focus on the Olympics so it'll be interesting to see too how athletes make decisions that's the other part of this that I think a lot of us are curious now there's a deadline or, or something on the calendar and how will the first group of athletes who are being asked to make these decisions handle it that's a great point because we're watching uh, what's unfolding with Major League Baseball right before our eyes, and the animosity there is continuing to rise between the players' union and ownership there, and there's been pay cuts, and minor leaguers are just getting their salaries yanked out from underneath them entirely. And so you have that on one end of the spectrum, and then you have on the other end of the spectrum, uh, and Steph made a great point in that article, just, you know, let's get back because we have this unique time, this spotlight where everybody's going to be interested in the sport. I'm, I'm fascinated to see what, if at all, uh, that effect that has on players who are really and truly interested in growing the game. And, you know, where do you put your own personal health there? I mean, this is a scary situation. And a lot of us are fortunate that we don't have to make that choice, right? Because it's not, you know, what our income is dependent on. But it's uh, it's going to be fascinating. And I could see that. Um, you know, the women's national team has been trendsetters in terms of how they've, um, how they've done a lot of things over the years. But here's another chance for them to really set the agenda for all athletes now uh, in sort of a domino effect as we get deeper into the summer. And it's a tough decision to make because we don't have all of the information right now. I think as we're all kind of navigating things in our own lives, like when should I schedule my dental cleaning for? When is it okay to go back to the doctor's office, right? We're asking athletes to make a big decision about their careers, uh, one that's going to be under a lot of public scrutiny or public attention as leagues try to get back. So there is a lot of pressure on the NWSL as the first sports league in the United States to be scheduled to return. One of the other factors too, I think, is the question of injuries. And if you suffer injuries, a lot of non-essential surgeries during the COVID pandemic were put on hold, right? And so are you concerned that if you get injured, what if there's another wave and would the hospitals be full again? So I think it's a really complicated matter. And, you know, you could see teams beginning a restart and then having to put things on hold again. If, for instance, there's some other kind of another spike, another wave, uh, if circumstances change. And I think that's what's also so uncertain about this. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, you know, we're we're over here at the Ore House. We're making our first really big move back into uh, society, and the, Ernie's going to Bark's Bed and Biscuit for a haircut and uh, and a bath. So that's like our big move into uh, into general society. I could not even fathom. Like, oh, you know, hey, you need us to go fly somewhere and, and work and be around hundreds of people all the time again. That, that you know, it, it was hard enough for me to decide to go get my dog a bath. Yeah. And, you know, I, thinking about the burden that is put on the NWSL and women's sports again, right? They were, I did a video about this a couple months ago or early in the pandemic about how women's sports were more at risk of being affected and female athletes, um, they don't have that built in cushion, right? You know, they could be, you know, if there's a, a wave of interest in their sport that they feel like they have to capitalize on to build the league, which is the situation the NWSL is in. Um, so they're unfairly, I think, shouldering some of the burden here with sports and professional sports in the United States. They're almost forced to go back sooner. And certainly, I am sure a lot of athletes do want to go back. But whereas a league like Major League Baseball or the NFL has more margin of error, error in terms of fan interest I feel like women's sports leagues unfairly shoulder of this kind of bigger risk and responsibility in terms of coming back to sports because they kind of have to yeah 
Selfishly, um, I, I would totally watch the NWSL tournament. I watched uh, a decent amount of it last um, when it started being aired on uh, Lifetime. Like in the afternoons, they had the television deal with Lifetime. And I mean, the quality is phenomenal. And I would be jacked up to see something like that. However, you know, you don't ever want that to come at the expense of anyone's personal health. So here's hoping that, you know, for whoever is brave enough to go first, that it's done in a way that, you know, we can take care of everybody, right? I mean, we just, we don't need to slip back into, um, you know, what we just came out of just to, um, you know, capitalize on some window or something like that. That And, uh, you know, it, it should be noted that uh, our former colleague, by the way, Grant Wall was rocking a uh, Portland jersey, I think, the other day. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if you are going to get in front of people, I mean, the kits this year for the NWSL are unbelievable they're so good and so i mean maybe that's the one advantage is you're gonna you're gonna sell a lot of jerseys i i'm i'm thinking about rocking one i mean they're that good no absolutely if they're if it does prove to be safe and all the measures in place work and it can go off without a hitch it's definitely a fantastic opportunity i i followed closely the nwsl the second half of the season i went to one of the ol rain games um and they, they play in a baseball stadium their situation is not ideal in terms of what some of the other teams uh have going but it was a great atmosphere and it was you know, continued throughout the the league's playoffs. So I I would be excited to watch that. I think it'd be a great return uh, to live sports if everything is safe and if they're not taking on an unfair share of the risk. Yeah. So we'll get into the uh, football topics here. And uh, Jenny, I'm going to pose this as a question to you and just know that there is only one correct answer. You can't tell me that this is not going to happen because I'm already too excited. Ahead of Thursday's virtual league meetings, the onside kick alternative is both gaining steam and getting refined, possibly to avoid some joyless dolts from the league from shooting it down. Jenny, please tell me this is going to happen, that next year we will have the fourth and 15 rule and also tell me why it's going to be so great. I, I love it too, Connor. I'm skeptical because we all know the league is kind of resistant to change and I'm sure that there are some around the league who are going to talk about how this is gimmicky and why would we change things up. Um, but I love it. Less than 10% of onside kicks were successful the last two years, I think. is Seven. Three. Okay, seven. So I said less than 10, Connor. So, you know, seven, right. seven's in the, but, in the ballpark. But I just happened to know the exact number, so I was okay. proud of myself. No, no, no. All right. So 7% were successful, which makes it an incredibly boring play. So, yeah, maybe there will be momentum to change things and spice things up. I don't know how to interpret the recent clarification. So now they've said that it will be an untimed down, which I think is smart because you eliminate the possibility of it being used as a clock draining method by a team that's in the league. Uh, Really good idea. So do you view this as like there's no support by it or this was the uh, behind it or this was the final thing tweak needed to push it through? in my optimistic heart of hearts. And, you know, we talked about this a lot, our natural pessimism. It's hard for me to get this excited about something, and I'm so excited about this. So it's got to happen. And so in my heart of hearts, I'm looking at it as, you know, you're you're sort of sistering the beam. You're strengthening the proposal ahead of of this so that nobody can knock it down and say, well, Bill Belichick's going to come up with something and mess with us or something like that. No, this is going to be perfect. And it was great in the XFL and the Alliance of American Football. And just think about how, you know, if you don't have Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid in this league now, if you're down by two scores with five minutes left, you're essentially dead in the water. There's no mechanism for you to come back um, unless you have a world-beating defense or the coach on the other side is a, is a total moron. And so this levels the playing field and it keeps the spirit of what we're trying to do uh, on track, which is make the game safer, right? So we made the game safer with the kickoff proposal and now we're still giving teams a chance to come back at the end of games i think it's just it's too perfect and i I don't know which and maybe that's what scares me a little bit is it's too perfect which is why somebody will stand up and and shoot the thing down but i think you're right connor i think the health and safety piece of that is important right rather than having a bunch of people kind of diving for a ball that's bouncing wildly on the field you just, just add one more down and so i think it will be appealing for that Uh, point of view and that has been 
health and safety has been a reason for rule changes in the past and a reason that some changes that maybe we wouldn't have thought were possible did get pushed through. So I think that's an important thing to consider. And the idea that this could change the possibilities at the end of a game is really interesting. Like, you know, you see, okay, oh, the onside kick, well, it's not going to work, so blah, 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 and you just kind of don't even have to watch the play half the time. But now there opens up so many possibilities that you could change the game in a second, and it kind of recalibrates the calculations that go on in the final minutes of a game, which I think is fantastic all around. So it sounds like, yet again, Connor, we're in agreement. I think Pro Football Talk made a good point that if you're a coach, right, now you practice religiously fourth and 15 plays, right? So you're going to develop more plays that get you specifically 15 to 17 yards. And I think that that gets teams over time better at uh, at that. And so that improves your odds on third and 15, um, you know, maybe moving forward and you develop more plays that you like in those situations. And this can only kind of cascade downhill in a positive direction, right? It makes offensive coordinators have to be more creative. You're going to have all of your, um, you know, your quality control guys looking at 15 plus plays right and that's how everybody comes up with their ideas anyways they cut up a bunch of plays that have gained an x amount of yards or are in a certain formation and you develop things kind of backwards from there and i think that this can only make everything better um and so i don't know especially the end of games like how cool would it be to have a team like get nailed two of these in a row and come back and win a game like that would be so awesome that's exactly right connor just picturing that drama that can be added to the end of games also, pity the offensive coordinator who draws up a 13-yard out route <laughs> <laughs> on a 4th and 15, because you know it's going to happen. I mean, we see this time and again, the route that just stops just short of the sticks. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out, by the way, to uh, Steven Ruiz from USA Today, uh, who had a great joke, which is who's going to be the first coach to opt for the 4th and 15 and then and then punt from that formation anyway. And so I thought that was pretty funny. Everybody said Jeff Fisher, but anyway. Oh, uh, that's moving. good. That's good. <laughs> All right. Topic number two. In a scenario totally unfamiliar to the New York market, agents of a high-profile member of the Jets' secondary have kicked, have kicked up an off-season sandstorm sowing doubt that said player will not be on the roster for long. Various reports have Jamal Adams' relationship with the Jets at various stages of breakdown. Is it for real this time? Where have we heard all of this before? Great topic, Connor. I inexplicably stumbled over the word secondary. Um, don't really have a good explanation for how that happened. but um, That was a clunkily <laughs> written topic, though. That was clunky. But great topic. Uh, it's interesting Adams is, of course, underpaid. $3.5 million salary is low for a player of his caliber, but it does not seem like the Jets are inclined to fix that. Talks for Patrick Mahomes, who was drafted the same year, are just going to get started this summer. And it seems like a lot of this traces back to last year at the trade deadline when the relationship between Adams and Joe Douglas and Adam Gase seem to be broken a little bit. They apparently tried to patch things up after that, but I think sometimes when there is that kind of break and then their future, you know, whatever you may call it, in the course of doing business, there's always these, you know, contracts back and forth. And then I think it's easy to seize on something like last fall and say, well, you didn't want me anyway. Yeah. I, I, I wonder if, and maybe it's just... Maybe it's just us and, you know, Jenny, you were uh, running the beat at the time when the Darrell Rivas um, contract negotiation happened. And I wonder if it's like, do teams see the Jets in particular and, and maybe their ownership, which has been consistent over that time, is just somewhat susceptible to this tactic? Is it just us having been in there that we've seen this happen so many times? Like I remember Muhammad Wilkerson, there was that same amount of vitriol and then an insane surprise when a long-term deal actually ended up getting done. Uh, is this unique, to not unique to the Jets, but somewhat unique to the Jets? And I just feel like for some reason, it's just a, a place where agents feel like they can kind of tee off and set a firestorm to get their agenda across. Well, and I also think because of the history with the team, right? When there's another contract situation that comes up, then the lines are drawn to things that have happened in the past. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, new regime and, you know, Chris Johnson instead of Woody, but, you know, obvious parallels can be made. And I think it just kind of 
plays into, at least like for the fan base, right? You're just like, oh, we saw this with Revis. Now we're seeing this again with Adams. Here it is happening again. thought it was a great line by Brian Costello of the New York Post, though. Basically ended his column last week with maybe they should get to the Roscoe Diner, which, of course, was the <laughs> infamous site of negotiations between the Jets and Revis's camp during Hard Knocks uh, between New York and Cortland. Uh, so, or I guess Florham Park and Cortland. Anyways, stop off point. Maybe they should meet there when things are safe to do so. I'm imagining the Roscoe Diner is not open, but I don't know. Maybe it is open. Maybe it's in a part of New York where they could open up, Connor. Hopefully for takeout or something like that. Yeah, you know, you know sit, sit in your cars and shout negotiations between the car windows. <laughs> not really. But, you know, one other interesting thing that I was thinking about that could come up in a lot of different conversations around the league is – we always see teams and owners looking for excuses not to pay players, right? And now the uncertainty of the pandemic is a convenient excuse. So I've already seen in a lot of reports the Jets might want to wait till they see the situation. And yes, it's true. Like a lot of teams will be crunched this year. You know, they're figuring out if we don't have fans in stadiums, the impact on revenue. And certainly there are legitimate concerns, but if you're on the labor side, if you're the player, then you say, hey, this is just another excuse to not start getting my deal done. You know, as long as we've covered the Jets and been invested in this, I've never looked at the menu for the Roscoe Diner, which is open for takeout, by the way, and it looks delicious. Well, like, okay, like so like when I think of diners, tell me what you think, but I think of like a tuna melt with fries. Yes, like, and that's what I was thinking too, like, um, uh, you know what I think of maybe because my wife always gets it, but like a just like a gyro, like a big gyro or something like that. But when I go to our diner, I always like a roast beef sandwich and matzo ball soup. It's like my favorite. Connor, favorite as as a half Greek podcast host here, I really really butcher Yiro. the sorry. Yeah. Yiro. Yes, there you go, hero. Yeah, much better, <laughs> much better. Okay, just had to sometimes, correct that. Sometimes I feel like by doing the authentic pronunciation i'm doing more harm than good no does that make sense i hear you i mean i'm not very good either i both of my parents speak other languages because their parents were immigrants from greece and poland respectively and i speak nothing so i i also sound kind of but (laughs) i just figured i'd tweak you there but this is like beyond diner this is like so their entrees this is not like you know most diners have that encyclopedic menu where there's 360 things that you can order on here the dinner is very uh condensed um but but they have a roast turkey with cranberry sauce and gravy um which which just looks great um just a roasted half spring chicken which looks really good um and instead of surf and turf they have beef and reef which is uh, stuffed shrimp and sirloin steak, which looks really good. You know, during the Revis situation, on one of my drives up to Cortland, you know, because you'd come back for preseason games and then have to go back up, right? And and so it's right off the highway there. And um, I did stop one time just to see what it was like inside. And I think I bought a Roscoe Diner keychain, but I didn't stop to eat there. (laughs) And I'm realizing this was a huge miscalculation. I mean, the food looks phenomenal and uh they now call themselves the world famous roscoe diner so i don't know if hard knocks had anything to do with that but uh hey if you're in Cortland, support your local businesses uh they uh, deliver or they don't deliver they uh, have takeout so you can get your curbside uh get your curbside uh, dinner at roscoe diner it looks great fantastic there's no distance too far for the perfect trip hi checking in for or the perfect table hey where are you and when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay. So you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs. Yeah. Like check out these hair. I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, (laughs) hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, (laughs) do you you do that with everyone you meet? Try to act like they, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. 
you think he should be required in all interviews to say, look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot? Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard. But All right, so what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. All right. I got uh, topic number three here, which uh, uh, really sort of blindsided me a little bit today when uh, I saw this. But Ron Rivera said he would have to need, have more clarity on Alex Smith's situation at the end of August, but noted that he would need to be able to protect himself before getting on the field. Are we really getting close to discussing a potential comeback here? And if so, how might that change the equation in Washington? Yeah, it's an interesting topic of discussion. Stefania Bell, who did the Project 11 on ESPN earlier this month, said she thought that we would see him back on the field at some point, that she would not be surprised, despite how crazy that might sound. She really tracked his rehab process and saw him come from this place where he almost lost his leg to where he is today. Um, So she said she didn't want to rule anything out, and certainly – Alex Smith has left open that possibility. It seems like uh, the next challenge for him, like he wants to see if he can get all the way back to the point where he was before the injury. But I think from Rivera's standpoint, it's probably in your best interest to say, hey, my player wants to try to do this. I'm going to leave the door open. But certainly something you couldn't count on. It seems like a major wild card. You know, uh, a lot of factors there that no one knows. And, you know, Alex Smith's interest could change along the process too. You know, who knows as he, you know, he could certainly change his mind at some point about his efforts to try to get back. So I think it's just Rivera leaving the door open is how I see it. Yeah, it would be, um, you know, I mean, Washington obviously uh, spent money at the backup position behind Dwayne Haskins anyway. And I'm guessing that was, um, you know, sort of their immediate indication of how they felt everything was going to go. But I think you make a good point. It's like, why would you as a coach ever slam the door on something like that? Because who knows? I mean, you know, we don't know what the future holds for Alex Smith, but if right now, what's keeping him positive, happy, and healthy is looking forward to coming back to the NFL, then who is who are we to stand in our way? I mean, Teddy Bridgewater made it all the way back after that horrifying injury and uh, is now enjoying time uh, as a full-time starter in Carolina now. So I, I, I would say that nothing is impossible. And certainly, um, you know, I think we saw uh, his wife posting recently some videos on uh, Instagram of him working out and he looks good. I mean, you know, so, so who knows? Yeah, exactly. Just leaving the door open and supporting the player as he says he's going to explore this option. So I think Rivera was was good to say it, but they obviously have other plans at, at quarterback that they're counting on um, should, you know, should things not go the way that Smith is hoping they would.
if he's healthy, sneaky deep quarterback depth chart, right? Like a little, you know, I mean, there's three players you could theoretically count on to start a game, which is a lot more than, you know, you could say probably about half the NFL. That's true. That's a sentence you probably didn't expect to say this offseason. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> All right. What do we got for number four? Oh, nice little transition here from Washington to Jay Gruden. Ooh. Topic four. Jay Gruden this week talked about how he needs to learn more about his quarterback and embrace his personality. While the thought of Gruden in tight, low-cut denim shorts is difficult to digest, so might a season with Gardner Minshew at the helm. <laughs> Um, all right, just, <laughs> but is that the point with the Trevor Lawrence prize looming? I feel like, um, and maybe they don't want to say it yet, but I, I, I feel like the groundwork has been laid for the long con here a little bit. And, and it's surprising to me because, you know, they're in a weird spot where I don't know if anybody's coming back if they don't have a good season this year. Um, you know, Shad Khan's been wonderfully patient with the entire operation. Um, and they've d- definitely shown some bright spots. They made an AFC championship game. They came within a few um, inches of beating the Patriots and going to the Super Bowl. Um, that said, that hasn't been the trajectory of the franchise of late. And so, I don't know. I But I, I can't imagine their efforts at the quarterback position this offseason not leading them to at least position themselves well for Trevor Lawrence next year. Yeah, in a sense, as an organization overall, it's it's not a bad idea, right? You see if you if Minshew really can be the guy long term, if, if he continues to develop and he blossoms this year, and maybe you think you have your guy. Uh, if things really go south and you are potentially in position to get Lawrence. But the complicating factor is, like you said, they have a, a coach and general manager in place that if they have another bad season, it's hard to imagine them staying on. So I guess from the organization-wide perspective, it makes sense, right? Because if you have a bad season, you make change at those positions, you draft Trevor Lawrence, you kind of start this new era. But if you're Marone and Dave Caldwell, you're kind of in a sticky spot. I think that Trevor Lawrence landing in Jacksonville would be a little underwhelming to me, right? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and and who knows? I mean, maybe they get an exciting head coach and, you know, maybe they, you know, move on and they hire someone like Josh McDaniels and pair him with Trevor Lawrence and we and we get this new kind of fun thing happening down there. But I don't know. I mean, although we've kind of been spoiled a little bit with the legacy quarterbacks that those once in every 10 year quarterbacks going to legacy franchises. So maybe it's time to to beef up one of these and, uh, you know, give the give the Jaguars Trevor Lawrence. That would be I, I don't know. I'm on the fence about this. I don't know how to feel about it quite yet. But to your point, there's been so much excitement about Trevor Lawrence. Lawrence. I did a story a year ago about players that coaches and executives in the NFL thought could make the jump to the pros after their true freshman seasons. And he was one name that came up uh, from a very good talent evaluator. And so I think you're right. We kind of want to see him land in a prominent spot, but who knows? Maybe he lands there and there's like a Jaguars renaissance that we see. But I don't know, Connor. On the show earlier this week, you accused me of always being low on the Jaguars. So <laughs> maybe I'm just trying to even things out by saying, hey, it could be really great. You know, Trevor Lawrence would also bring us back to Jacksonville to kick off our training camp road trip, which we did together three years ago. And I remember, if I'm not mistaken, having a nice beachside uh, uh, dinner there and then meeting some very friendly Jaguars fans who gave me uh, chili in the parking lot That's right. uh, before the first practice. So I would love to go back. We you know? did have a good experience in Jacksonville, I will say. And then it was on our drive to Atlanta from Jacksonville where I got one of those really scary spam emails, which is a story for another day. But that was a really <laughs> seminal moment in our friendship, Connor. <laughs> it formed the uh, it formed the foundation of the Weak Side podcast. I, I would agree. So, you know, the Jaguars really play a prominent role in the show. So I, I need to make sure that I acknowledge that more often. Thank you for <laughs> uh, alerting me to some of my own unconscious biases. 
that's you know that's what we're here for. Um, all right, number five on Wednesday. Um, I, I wrote a list uh, on SI.com of NFL documentaries that I'd rather see. Um, aside from a nine-part series on Tom Brady, some of the people that I came up with: Fritz Pollard, Ken Stabler, Andy Reid, and Terrell Owens. I thought were some names that I would you know just people we could really dive into and learn more about. Jenny, what about you? What other names might you get fired up about for ten hours of football programming? that doesn't include a lecture on clean eating. Well, I thought your list was very good, very well done, uh, very well written. One name that came to mind that I would be really interested in is Mike Tomlin. I feel like he's something of an enigma. You know, he's obviously had success. He's been in Pittsburgh for a long time. He's, you know, one of the staples of that franchise. Um, and yet I don't fully know a lot about him. Um, every year when we talk about the hiring practices of the NFL, Tomlin is always pointed to as an example of the Rooney rule gone right. A coach that was brought in for an interview, didn't have a ton of experience. They saw potential and they were right on him. But I would love to hear more from him on what kind of being held up as that one example of a rule that's kind of gone off the tracks has been like. I would love to hear his perspectives, honest perspectives on being a black coach in the NFL and being one of, you know, having a a long tenure and kind of seeing the ups and downs that minority coaches have had in the league during his tenure and kind of, um, as I said before, you know, being held up as, okay, well, here, here's the one example. Like, what is that like? I don't know. I'd be really cu- curious to hear his insight of that. And I also think he's faced a lot of criticism for as successful as he's been, right? I mean, he's been consistent. He's won a Super Bowl. Uh, he's managed a lot of different personalities. I mean, think about the fact that, you know, we, we saw Antonio Brown's career kind of careen after he was away from the Steelers, which really shined a light perhaps on, how Mike Tomlin was able to, um, you know, to coach him and bring out some of the, the at least on-field attributes of Brown during the time he had him. So I just think there's a lot that is there under the surface that I don't know a lot about, and I would be really interested in hearing him open up. Yeah, took over the job in 2007, has yet to have a losing season. That's incredible. But yet still uh, gets a ton of criticism in Pittsburgh. The fact that, um, you know, and I've I've written this before. I think I wrote this back when I was at NFL.com. The fact that the region itself embraced Bill Cowher so wholeheartedly and then will not do the same thing for Mike Tomlin, despite Mike Tomlin being just as good, if not slightly better as a head coach blows my mind yeah Uh, and you know last year to have that team within sniffing distance of the playoffs with Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges as your quarterbacks like what else do you need to learn about your head coach beyond the fact that you know he's one of the first uh, coaches to embrace some of the statistical, um, you know, revolutions that we're undergoing, going for two um, in certain situations and learning about all that stuff, despite the fact that, like, everybody's used that as, like, you know, a- another reason to knock him or to say that he shouldn't be their head coach when, you know, I don't know, it's pretty remarkable. The guy's been himself the whole time. He's uh, he's never had a losing season. I think it wouldn't surprise any of us if with Ben Roethlisberger back, they challenged the Ravens for the division this year. And, man, I mean, if he was ever on the market, I think that he would be snapped up in a split second. Absolutely. That's what I think. So I think learning more about his experience and like the, I don't know, you put it much better than I did, Connor, but some of the strange criticism I feel that's been levied his direction despite his consistent success would be really interesting to me. There would be a lot of, um, what's the word, dimension to that story or uh, what am I looking for? Depth. Depth, drama. I don't know. I think there's there'd be a lot of meat. There'd be a lot of meat on that bone, you know. Connor and I, we had an editor who always asked us if a story was meaty, or or if you liked it, he would say, "This is a meaty story." Drew, great editor. Meaty was like the top compliment you could receive if Drew was your editor. Oddly enough, though, uh, when he didn't have anything nice to say about it, but since he never had a bad thing to say about anybody then, he used another meat analogy, which is if you did good enough, then you made chicken salad. 
So it was either a meaty story or it was chicken salad. So that would mean it was still palatable. Like there was still some meat in there, although we had to add a lot of mayonnaise to sort of get us through it. (laughs) Oh, man. Good memories, though. Good memories. I don't know. Do you agree with me that um, I'm very wary of a Brady documentary? I think that um, we've heard uh, comments already that this is not going to be a Jordan documentary, which means it's not going to be sort of that hardened career retrospective. His team is going to have a lot to do with it, just like mm-hmm. Jordan. So there's obviously going to be a, an, a, an inherent bias going forward. But the fact that this guy always seems to have something to sell right now uh, would make me wary as a consumer uh, that I'm about to devote 10 hours of my life to something like this. Yeah, it's this weird kind of balance between wanting the subject to open up and give access to their life, but then also not wanting them to control everything that's in it. So I think you hit the nail on the head, Connor, or you, you end up getting a processed version of whatever the documentary would be. And it seems like the price nowadays to pay for access is that the subject has control over it, which I think restricts kind of the realness and the honesty and you know some of the parts of the story that like aren't perfect right so um a couple weeks ago on our mmqb weekend review i think we were talking a little bit about what we would like to see and i think we would all be interested in say the final year of the belichick brady dynasty right but it would have to be like what actually went on right it would have to be like a true accounting of that and so i don't know that we're going to get very much of that at at all in this. I, we're going to get how Brady chooses to address it, um, but that's it. And it's going to be whatever he wants put forward, which I think will be careful and curated because that's how he speaks. He's carefully curated in the public eye. And so I, I think it's going to be an interesting dance. Um, and I don't know how different you know it's what, going uh, to be necessarily to mind, than um, Tom and I'll, I'll make a prediction to before the Oracle on exactly how I think the Brady documentary is going to go. But, um, you know, people accuse Bill Belichick of being hyper secretive and not opening up. And, you know, I was thinking about this the other day while I was actually looking at my bookshelf and, his biography was done by David Halberstam. And so for people who don't know David Halberstam, I mean, he wrote The Best and the Brightest. He was New York Times's Vietnam War correspondent, widely viewed as maybe the most dogged truth teller of, you know, the modern journalism era outside of Woodward and Bernstein. That's the guy that did Belichick's documentary. So, you know, it's not like this guy is afraid of anything or looking curated or appearing in a certain way. If you agree and sign on to have that guy write your book, you're kind of opening uh you're you're opening up your closet and so you know I, I thought it was funny that everyone always accuses belichick of that but you know he did that fairly early on in his career too i think that was in like education of a coachman had come out sometime in the mid uh 2000s or something like that but um you know i mean that's someone who you know i don't know if you, that would be like if you know if i was afraid of something i would not have jenny uh write my biography but i would hope that jenny would one day maybe maybe we could you know I don't know. Work something out. Well, I was going to say, <laughs> next on my list was actually going to be Connor Orr. That was what I was going to follow up Tomlin with. But back to Halberstam really quickly. I remember reading once that like part of the reason Belichick was interested in doing it is that he wanted to hear Halberstam stories. So, And I remember <laughs> feeling like this great wash of insecurity because basically being like, I don't think I'm ever going to be in a position in my career where somebody like wants to be around me and hear my stories in exchange. Like they view them as equally as their life stories. Like, I don't think I'll ever be in that spot. So like hearing that was just kind of like, that's what it takes to yeah. um, be able to my, do my a prediction for the Brady kind of thing death. is we're going to have a really, um, you know, this is this is the business term, but the sizzle reel that they get everybody to put out there to get everyone excited about the documentary. And um, what's going to happen is uh, you're going to hear off camera like um, a producer saying like, so what do you really think about Bill Belichick and, and Tom Brady? Just look at the camera for a minute and then just be like, you know, guys, I, I can't do this and get up and leave. And then it'll be like Tom Brady documentary. And then we'll actually watch it. And then he'll come back and he'll he'll be like, you know, I just wanted to collect my thoughts and talk about how much I loved him, you know, and they're going to totally con us into that. And it's going to be like five hours into it, you know, and it's just going to be this long, big commercial for his pliability gummies you know and it's just gonna be bad so i'm not gonna watch it 
I mean, I also wish they kind of waited till after his career was done. Like you said earlier, it's not going to be a career retrospective. I think athletes are generally more honest when their careers are over. And so, yeah, I feel like it's going to be a lot like Tom versus time where you found out some interesting nuggets. Like there were some interesting scenes, certainly in that, but it was carefully picked and for a certain reason. And yeah, also I love, by the way, our, away our, too our much wonderful editor, Mitch Goldich, uh, put Tom versus time into the Cindy Lauper song time after time. Um, and it just, it fits so good. I was just singing it in my head when, uh, oh, that's good. <laughs> when you, when you brought up Tom versus time. Um, all right. So that's my really Oracle good. prediction this week, um, sort of dovetails off of something we talked about in topic number four. And, you know, with all the news of the league, uh, leagues opening up and, you know, how long is the season going to be and what's going to happen with all of this stuff, college football, professional football, not knowing anything. I think that we are, mm, four to five months away from the Trevor Lawrence situation getting ultra spicy at the top of the draft. And that could be anything from teams, maybe a season gets cut short and a team believes that it's unfair that a certain team is getting to pick at the top of the draft because they didn't play a full season and they want Trevor Lawrence or Trevor Lawrence having his eye on somebody and not maybe particularly wanting to play there. Um, I think we're going to like, you know, it's it's not even simmer, simmering, like the pot is not even on the stove, but maybe we're starting to fill the pot with water in, in, in order to make it reach an eventual boil. Oh, I really like that. Yeah, there are a lot of different scenarios, and we also don't exactly know how the timing of the college football and NFL seasons will end up syncing up. You know, are there going to be hiccups in whatever plan that we have for both of these sports to be played this fall? So, uh, yeah, okay, that's interesting. A much-hyped player is preparing to enter the NFL draft on the heels of a pandemic that has disrupted sports. I mean... Lots, lots there. I'll watch that a ten-part documentary on that. Could too. be uh, spicy, as you mentioned. <laughs> oh yes. Yeah, what do we have that, for our that, uh, French's consensus today? Definitely. Well, just want to, on a slightly more serious note, I think we all saw the video of George Floyd dying in police custody on Monday after an officer kneeled on his neck for five minutes while Floyd was saying he could not breathe and. Of course, this was what Colin Kaepernick was protesting four years ago uh, in the summer of 2016 was really when he decided that he would take this stand, came during the preseason to, to, to kneel during the national anthem, to raise awareness for systemic racism, to protest police brutality. And it's a reminder, Floyd's death is just yet another reminder that not a lot has changed in that time. So I think as my consensus this week, Connor, would be to encourage everybody to find one action to take to help our communities be anti-racist and to support people of color who face racism in ways that, as a white person, I can't imagine. And I think it's important to remember that the onus should not be on people of color to fix this, that we can all play roles. We should all play roles. Maybe you talk about Floyd and police brutality with your children. Maybe you're a white teacher or coach that is, hasn't to this point broached racism with your students or players, but maybe you say, you know what, I should open the conversation. I'm going to listen to my uh, students or players of color hear their perspective ask them if they feel safe on campus or you know maybe they need extra mental health resources when something like this happens it's really jarring and it, it brings up a lot of feelings I can imagine of of uh, being scared or not sure of your surroundings so are there ways that you can help them um, maybe you support an organization like Kaepernick's Know Your Rights Camp maybe you read educate yourself have conversations that you feel uncomfortable starting because you're scared to say yeah. the right wrong thing. I mean, certainly I feel that way, Connor, right? Like it's, it's not easy to talk about. You don't want to say the wrong thing. You haven't experienced it yourself. You feel like maybe I shouldn't wade my way into it, but I think it's important to remember that it's, we all play a part in this and that if we don't speak up and we don't lend our voices, then we are putting the burden solely on people of color. So that well is done. what yeah, I would I think encourage that, people you know, the, to do. The as famous the saying that there, there comes a point when, you know, uh, 
silence is just as damning as you know whatever the action is you know that that we're all horrified of you know and i think that we've we i mean we've been at that point but um yeah i think that's a great point it's it's time to for all of us to at least you know really start to kick in and do our part because just walking around and saying hey well it doesn't affect me it's not my kids it's not my community uh you know that that's not good enough you know and it's not helping anybody yeah and just saying that we're saddened about it that's also not good enough there are ways to to take anti-racist actions and to help our communities do do better and really take this issue head on like Kaepernick encouraged us to do so on that note we'll sign off this week thanks again as always for listening the MMQB Weekside podcast is me, Jenny Ventus, and Connor Orr. We are produced by Shelby Royston. SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody. Ben Eagle is director of editorial projects and product. Mark Moravik is emeritus executive director of the MMQB. Keep up with our entire lineup of podcasts five days a week by subscribing to the MMQB NFL podcast for free on Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, please do us a favor and leave a rating and review. It really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Radio.com, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo play this is it we've got an amex platinum pro on our hands ladies and gentlemen we haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the centurion lounge is he connecting to complimentary wi-fi oh my look at that he is and you will not believe where he's going next the amex dedicated card member entrance for the win unbelievable when you get travel perks with amex platinum you're part of the action that's the powerful backing of american express Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Tired of pickup truck bed chaos? Meet Decked. Game-changing USA-made full bed-length drawers for tools and gear. Waterproof, dustproof, lockable, secure. Whether you're working, hunting, fishing, camping, or just getting out of town. And introducing Decked Deco Cases. Tough, modular, problem-solving cases built for the truck, job site, campsite, or garage. Say goodbye to random bins and tie-downs. Order now at Decked.com slash iHeart for free shipping. Decked. Your truck, your rules. Decked.com forward slash iHeart.